Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Welcome to the show. As John wrote this week, it's finally here. Well, it's almost finally here for us. We're coming at you on a Monday, but the wait is over. It's officially draft week, and I want to jump right in, John, with your final seven-round mock draft that was posted on Saints Wire this week. And this was a really fun article. First of all, it was kind of structured like a Q&A style, uh, and it was you and your team of contributors at the Saints Wire. You all were deliberating, kind of deciding upon a trade-up strategy, targeting specific players, and, and it's all kind of structured, and the conversation is all transcribed. Uh, how'd you guys do that, John? Was it on Slack? How'd that all come together? Yeah, so we just got it was, uh, myself and my two contributors, that's uh, Maddie Hudak and Kate Kistner. Uh, the, the three of us got together on Twitter, and we, we have a group chat we maintain where we coordinate everything that we that we share over at Saints Wire, uh, coordinating assignments and all that fun stuff. And we got together and basically built our own war room. You know, we had a big board um, that, that was, it was based off of the, the athletic consensus big board, which is itself based off of, like, gosh, like 50 different uh, big boards out, uh, around the NFL media landscape. Um, but we took that, we filtered it down a bit, looking at the Saints athletic prototypes, uh, looking at the benchmarks that they've used over the last few years and had our own pool of players to work with. And we referred to that to kind of find our targets and look at players who we wanted to uh, target in in this draft. Um, It it was a lot of fun, you know. Um, We we were each working remotely here, kind of going back and forth, floating ideas past each other, uh, surveying the board, looking at how it was all shaking out. I used the draft network, mock draft machine uh, simulator to, to simulate seven rounds of, of picks with the, the computer make, making those picks, um, going back and forth with me on, on trade offers, um, counter offers, all that fun stuff. And I think it was a, it was a really fun exercise. And I'm glad we were, we were able to get that done. What did you say Maddie's last name was? Was it Hudat? It kind of sounded like just like Hudat. It, it, it's like so Yeah, it, it is for now. It's, uh, it's Hudak. <laughs> that, that, that's uh, Maddie Hudak underscore is... 94 on, on Twitter. Um, it, it, that's H-U-D-A-K. Uh, she, she's an up-and-comer in, in our business, and uh, we're very fortunate to have her on, on the staff here at Saints Wire. Um, and our other contributor on, on that uh, that group chat was uh, Kate Kistner. That's K-W-K-I-S-T-N-E-R. Um, he is a very fortunate Saints fan, very unfortunate Texas Rangers fan. Um, so, and he happened to be smoking a brisket in the background while this was going on. So we, we were all very busy. It, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. So let's get into the draft a little bit. You guys deliberated and you targeted a player to move up and get, which fits a Saints narrative, John. We've talked a little bit about maybe them moving back this year, hoarding some picks, filling some needs. But uh, trading up certainly fits the M.O. of Sean Payton in his time as head coach of the Saints. And you guys specifically targeted a corner and Greg Newsom, the second out of Northwestern. And, John, you called my guy Bill Belichick. You moved up to number 15 to get Newsom. I'm guessing Belichick must have busted your balls a little bit for that move. Um, yeah, I swindled Bill. You did, actually. you did, right? I, mean, I should have said Belichick. Yeah, I should have said Belichick should have busted your balls a little bit more for that move, right? Um, <laughs> but you end up with Newsom, and uh, you know, just one of the top corners on the board. Obviously, he's a guy that might lack a little bit of size. He's not going to come up and pop you, but he can fly. He's got speed. He's got 
Um, he's kind of wiry. He's got an ability to be super athletic back there, right? Why do you think he would fit for the Saints? Why do you think he would be a good guy to target and move up for? Yeah, he is so much like Marshawn Lattimore coming out of Ohio State to me, where he is this, this, this blue-chip athlete who handled number one corner responsibilities, who dominated his competition, uh, who missed a lot of time with injuries. And um, despite of that, you know, he, he's still super athletic. Like you said, he's got the length of that NFL team covet. Um, and he, we moved up for him for very good reason. So our strategy going into this was based off of how the Saints have approached the draft in recent years. Uh, the Saints, they traded up for three of the four players they picked last year. They traded up for their first two picks the year before that. And the year before that, they traded up to go get Marcus Davenport. So the Saints are very aggressive on draft day. We, we tried to model our approach off of that. And that, that started with targeting Newsom. So the way that developed was we expected – based off of our own simulations, because not a lot of people know this, but NFL teams do their own mock drafts. And everyone who's in the war room has done their own mock draft at some point uh, so they can get an idea of how the board's going to shake out and how they can each be prepared for different situations and offer unique input. And we all expected uh, the top two corners, Patrick Sertain uh, II and J.C. Horn, to be off the board um, fairly quickly within the first 10 or 12 picks. So we were expecting to trade up for a corner uh, starting around the 15th pick, hoping that either Newsom or Virginia Tech corner Caleb Farley would be available, just because that, that was informed by Sean Payton's comments last week at the Zurich Classic, where he said, hey, uh, there's only one real must position we, ha- we must address in order to field a competitive team this year, and that's cornerback. And so for, for us, still, you know, kind of playing the role of Sean Payton, it was, okay, we must get a corner. Uh, are the guys we won't, we, we're not going to bet on them being available late in the second round or late in the first round, excuse me. Uh, so we're going to make a trade. We're going to get up and hope we can land one of these two guys. And unfortunately, Caleb Farley was snapped up by the Eagles at the 12th overall pick. Um, so we know that he got good reports on his medicals uh, in Indianapolis a few weeks ago after back surgery earlier this offseason. And so uh, obviously the Eagles in this mock draft simulation, that they bought into that report. Uh, they, they drafted him early, as, as they should, if everything checks out. Farley is a terrific player, and that left Newsom as the only real top-tier corner uh, left on the board um, there at the 15th pick. And so we didn't want to, to assume that Newsom would make it all the way down from 15 to 28 after that early run on corners. So I started, you know, quote-unquote, working the phones, uh, submitting <laughs> offers to see what I could get. I lowballed uh, Belichick intentionally um, just to see how little I would have to give up to make the jump there. And I was very fortunate, and the computer accepted that deal. So I was able to move from 28 to 15, only giving up the 105th overall pick. In reality, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it would probably take both of those third-rounders, uh, potentially a second-rounder, maybe a future draft pick, um, to, to make that, that big of a leap. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm not going to look a good horse in the mouth here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Belichick, he's looking to stockpile some picks for next season. I think 2022 is going to be a big draft for him. So he, he probably would have asked for something next year too, John. But, you know, maybe he had Nike the dog at his computer like we saw last year. And, and maybe you know, something crazy. Yeah. <laughs> maybe Nike was the one who did accept on the trade-off. Something crazy happened there. But anyway, for the sake of the exercise, yeah, moving up for Greg Newsom, moving up for Caleb Farley, that makes a lot of sense. That could easily be uh, a route the Saints take on day one. And then here's another interesting piece of your mock draft, John. So after uh, giving up number 28, John, you're not going to pick again until pick number 60. And you and the team end up targeting another player. You guys want to move back up into the first round and you do a trade with the Ravens. You get back into the first round at number 27 overall. 
You give up number 60, you give up a fourth rounder this year and a second rounder next year. That sounds like a a more reasonable trade right there. And uh, you go and get the linebacker from Notre Dame. Here we go. I'm going to try this one. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. There we go. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Not bad. Not bad. So, yeah. Not bad at all. We'll call him Jock. We'll call him Jock going forward because I got it right (laughs) the the first time. He's the Joker. Uh, So, basically what you do here, John, is, yeah, you give up some draft capital to move up. Uh, back into the first round, but you leave with one of the top corners and one of the top linebackers, so you address two key needs on day one of the draft, right? And when you go and get this linebacker from Notre Dame. So he is an excellent coverage player. I mean, he he can go in the NFL. He can be a a starting wheel linebacker or a starting safety from day one. Um, He he is just that fluid in coverage. He moves that smoothly. I mean, he just glides across the field. It's, It's unreal. He is a bit undersized, but you don't see that being an issue for him because he is consistently taking on, you know, offensive linemen. I mean, he's going up against guys who are 60 or 70 pounds um, over, you know, above his, his weight and muscle mass, and he's rocking them back at the line of scrimmage. So this is a strong guy. He's a great athlete. He's exactly what the Saints needed opposite Demario Davis. Um, we didn't want to assume that the Saints have that number two linebacker on the roster already. I know we traded up with Zach Vaughn last year. He didn't show much as a rookie, um, and he would be having to move positions in order to start next to Davis this season. So that, that, that's not a bet we wanted to make. It's not a gamble we wanted to make. And outside of him, you're looking at like a seventh-round pick in Caden Ellis. You're looking at a former undrafted safety converted to linebacker because he couldn't play safety in the NFL in, uh, Chase, in Chad Hansen. And so, you know, linebacker was this most pressing uh, need uh, to us. We'll see if the Saints feel the same way. Um, reports are that they do like Anson, they do like Ellis, they do like Bond. Um, but, you know, they didn't like those guys enough to keep from trading for Quan Alexander last year. So sure. we'll, we'll see how much of that turns out to be a smokescreen. Um, you know, speaking of Quan, he's been posting some great uh, workout videos at, in, while going through physical therapy in Miami. He's been working very hard to get back in shape. Hopefully he can rejoin the Saints. He's been, he's been wearing a lot of Saints gear in these workouts he's, that he is sharing on social media. And the guy training him is also Alvin Kamara's personal trainer. So it does feel like a reunion might be possible later this summer. Uh, it, it just depends on how soon and how well he can recover from Achilles surgery. But, you know, in, in lacking better options, we did feel like a trade-up for a linebacker was uh, prudent. And what was interesting to me was, it was so much harder to move from 60 to 27 than it was to move from 28 to 15. Uh, I, I submitted three different trade offers to three different teams before I was able to find one that would accept it in the Ravens. So after you guys move up to uh, number 27 overall to draft JOK, Mac Jones is still on the board. We all know one of these quarterbacks is going to slip through the cracks, right? And uh, in this scenario, it is Mac Jones. And that's another position of need for the Saints, right? You could argue that if Mac Jones were to slip to the Saints, whether it be at 27 in this hypothetical or if they stayed put at 28, if Mac Jones is there, man, would it be hard not to take him, I think, uh, as a prospect to groom him behind Jameis Winston this year and see what you got. So th- that would be an interesting scenario, right? And then th- the second point was after you made these moves in the first round, you really turned your focus to wide receiver. And not just wide receiver, but speed, right? You guys were kind of debating over 40 times. You really wanted to find a burner to go opposite Michael Thomas instead of maybe those you know precision route running possession type of receivers like Michael Thomas already is, right? So really looking to find a compliment to that player. Uh, so those are the two things that really stick out to me, John. 
A, Mac Jones is on the board, but you passed up on him. And the idea of getting a burner opposite Michael Thomas at the wide receiver position with that next pick. Yeah, so with Mac Jones, uh, you know, he's a fine quarterback prospect. He's somebody I would not mind picking at 28 um, versus trading our next three years worth of first-round picks to select in third overall. That's not something I can endorse. I was going to say, it looks better at 28 looks better at 28 than three, doesn't it, for Mac Jones? Like, it's a little bit better. Yeah, yeah, it is better at 28 to three. (laughs) Um, he's someone who wasn't really on our radar at that point, um, just because we we all really had had greater confidence in Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill uh, competing for that job right away versus Mac Jones coming in, having to learn the offense from scratch, and just given the state of the roster, it made more sense to ride with who we had and add depth at other spots. Um, and receiver was our third priority in the draft. And so we looked at the receiving core. We're trying to find the missing pieces to that unit. And what we're really lacking was uh, speed. You know, the Saints have plenty of guys who are are bigger-bodied receivers. You know, you have obviously Michael Thomas, but then you've also got guys further down the depth chart like Juwan Johnson, like uh, Little Jordan Humphrey. And, and so there are there are more of those bigger possession-type receivers. And we've really wanted someone who could add an extra gear to the offense. Now, I do think Traquan Smith is going to benefit from Jameis Winston being the quarterback. Um, just because Winston has a bigger arm than Drew Brees, he, he can allow Trickle Smith to run more of the more of the vertical routes that he uh, succeeded with in college. And they, they the Saints do have some other promising athletes. They got Deontay Harris, who obviously is an All Pro return man. He hasn't shown that he can stay healthy to hold down a role to to really you know plug that hole on offense. If he's played two years and two years he's missed time with injuries. I think because of his size limitations, it's always going to be an issue with him. Uh, and the only other receiver they have who can run like a 4-3 or better would be Jalen McCluskey, who is a recent undrafted free agent they signed out of, out of Tulane in Oklahoma State. So he is, I mean, he's a long shot to even make the team. And so you look at, you look at how the, the receiving core stacks up, and they, just, they don't have anyone with really high upside speed. Um, even Marquez Callaway, who, you know, I mean, we, we, we joked about this a bit in, in, in that group chat, has his fans, um, even he, is, I mean, he averaged 10 yards a catch last year. He, he is not a, a deep threat either, and, and, and not in the vein that we were looking for. Um, and what was kind of frustrating is that was our goal. We identified a cloud of prospects that we wanted, and we were not able to find them. We were not able to make a trade and go up for them without sacrificing too many picks, but both in this year's draft and next year. Um, and considering we had already made two selections, or two trades up, excuse me, at, at this point in the draft, you know, we weren't really eager to, to continue moving up. Maybe the Saints feel differently in, in real life. Maybe they stay put at 60, and one of those receivers that we identified uh, makes makes it down to them. Um, eventually, we did we did kind of get up and start exploring more trade offers, and we were able to move up to the 74th pick uh, by counter-offering uh, Washington after they initially uh, reached out to us to see about the uh, trading down. And we did move up, and we acquired uh, USB slot receiver Amon Rothbane Brown. Yes, you did. And we don't want to spoil the entire draft for everybody. Go check that thing out on Saints Wire. It was a fun one, a fun exercise. And coming up, John, we're going to make our final predictions. We're going to we're going to take one last look at the Twitter, one last look of all, at all the stuff going around, all the predictions. We've crunched all the numbers, and we're finally going to make one quick prediction on what we think the Saints are going to do, at least early in the draft. We're not going to give you every single selection, but we'll give you what we think at least is going to happen on day one. We'll do it coming up next. 
All right, John, we've crunched every mock draft, read all the projections. What do you think the Saints are, are actually going to do on Thursday night? You think it's going to be Newsom? You think they're going to be aggressive and move up? You think they're going to trade back? Maybe they don't even make a pick on Thursday? What's your final prediction after kind of hearing all the reports and crunching all the all the, all the stuff? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, you know, after looking at the Saints draft tendencies, which we're going to get into later this week on Saints Wire, after looking at Sean Payton's comments, which you can also find at Saints Wire, um, I really think the Saints are going to make a trade up for a cornerback here. Uh, corner is their number one need. It's, it's the only must-address position on the roster. Uh, it's the only thing that they cannot go into the season without addressing. And I really feel that the board is going to shake out to where they can trade up in the late teens, the early 20s, and go get a cornerback. You know, Whether that ends up being Greg Newsom, whether that ends up being Caleb Farley, uh, maybe one of the other top corners slips down a little bit unexpectedly. I do expect the Saints to make an effort to make a trade up the board and go get a blue-check cornerback uh, to kind of reinforce the secondary there along with Marshawn Lattimore and Marcus Williams. So we'll, we'll see what ends up, how it ends up shaking out. That's just me reading the tea leaves a bit, and that, that's kind of my expectation going into draft day. I love it. I'm right with you. Um, I'm also targeting cornerback in my official uh, prediction, John, after listening to you teach me about the Saints over the last few weeks about their draft process. Now I'm ready to make my uh, my decision of what I think they're going to do. And yes, I heard Sean Payton loud and clear as well. I think it's definitely corner. I think that's going to be the first selection. Uh, and I'm going back to a few weeks ago. We talked about this player. He was a guy showing up at a lot of mock drafts. And I think he's a player that makes some sense. Asante Samuel Jr. I think maybe the Saints could stay put and, and select that player. Uh, I think he'd look real good next to Marshawn Lattimore. Obviously, my guy Asante Samuel, former Patriot. Uh, wish he would have squeezed that interception that Eli Manning tried to throw to him in that Super Bowl. But that you know, I don't want to get and I want to get too off topic here. But he's got the bloodline, and he's an athletic guy. And uh, you know, he he commits a lot of penalties too, John. So he'd fit just he'd fit in just fine with those Saints uh, defensive backs getting called for flags and all that. So I don't know. I think if the Saints don't move, if they stay put at twenty eight and they end up making a pick, I think Asante Samuel Jr.'s got a chance to be the guy. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Like I, I think he's definitely part of that second tier of corners who will be available there in the late twenties, early thirties. Um, I, I would be fine with that. You know, Asante Samuel Jr. He, he, He's a very competitive player. He he doesn't have great size, but he he has terrific athleticism to make up for it. And he's so smart. He's he's such an intelligent football player. He has a great understanding of the game of how offenses try and attack him. Um, I think that he I think that would be a great fit. Um, so he's definitely someone on my radar. If the Saints stay put, if you know, like in our mock draft, if four corners go in the top fifteen picks, and the Saints end up having to, to wait around a bit. I think he, he's someone I would be very happy with at 28. So I think that's a great call. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, yeah. See, I like the idea. So obviously, explore the trade-up. I think that's definitely in play, and it could definitely happen, and I'm rooting for that. If they trade up for Farley or even trade up for Newsom, like, let's go. That's a great move. Let's do it. But if they stay put, you keep that second-round pick, right? So you're still picking in the second round, and in the exercise you guys went through, you lost that second rounder, and it was hard to get back into that round, as you were talking about. So now you can target a wide receiver in that second round if you want to go to the, you know, there'll still be some good players available there. Or maybe you can get that good linebacker that slips a little bit. So that's where I'm at. We'll see what happens. But who the free, nobody knows, John. Nobody knows what's going to happen. So this is why it's felt like, I don't know. I've never been a huge draft guy probably because out here in New England, 
you know, the Patriots, they're always picking near the end of the first round and they always trade out. So it's like, you know, we, we get sick of the draft out here, I think. Uh, but coming at it from a different angle this year has been kind of fun. And I, I just think this is one of the more interesting drafts of that, that I've ever seen. You know, I just think this one's going to this, this one has a chance to be real theater, um, especially all night on Thursday for like three, four hours. So I'm ready to buckle up and do it, man. I, I, I'm here for it. Yeah, let's go, man. And I think it's going to be very entertaining and uh, it should, should be a great time. So can't wait for it to get here. Same here. Next week, we get to actually talk about what the Saints did. Looking forward to that. We'll talk to you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.